And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for joining us here on this special edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m., as well as this special time, streaming live at all of these times at richarddugan.com with podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and a whole bunch of other locations you folks are reposting us to. Thank you for doing that. We also are on YouTube where you can watch these programs. We can You can watch the videos. You can um, see our guests up close and personal, so to speak. And uh, we also encourage you to um, take time during this, the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, Spend that time going within. Uh, we've been promoting it for over two and a half years, and we're going to continue for the next nine or eight and a half as the, as the calendar goes, uh, because we want you to spend that time. I'm trying to find the time, and I shouldn't even say it that way. I should say that I just haven't found the time yet, but I'm going to make it a commitment. Make, it the, make that commitment with me to five minutes, five minutes. And then maybe you can build on it to, to listen to that still small voice, to follow that guidance, to find that calm, calm, peaceful, quiet place where you can get the guidance that you uh, are, are searching for. So that's one of the things that we really hope you'll do. We also hope that if you uh, resonate with this program, if, it, uh, if, if what we're doing, uh, uh, you like it and you'd like to be a part of it financially, we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. And we thank those who have uh, helped us out and those who will. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> you. You have no idea how grateful I am for all of the support that we get on this program. Our program today... Uh, revisits a, a guest who hasn't been with us for quite a long time, Flo Magdalena of SoulSupportSystems.com. Thank you so much for joining us again. You are the author or maybe the the channel, the catalyst, so to speak, uh, uh, of um, I Remember and uh, uh, several other works as well having to do primarily with Mary Magdalene. Thanks for being with us again. It's it's, it's a great pleasure to have you back and for a change to actually see you. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time we've actually done this um, with video, so it's very beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, we have several things we're going to talk about, but I want to start out by talking about these various works. Now, my wife has read and shared with a number of people the book I Remember. Uh, and I thinking I'm thinking I'm forgetting a part of the title. I think it's I remember Union. Is that? Uh, That's correct. I remember Union, right? Uh, and and this is work in, in regards to who, who the the woman who has been labeled by some. It doesn't actually say it in the in the uh, uh, the Gospels, uh, but who's been labeled a prostitute. Um, and what I find so fascinating, uh, uh, Flo, is is the fact that. <clears throat> of all people who should have been made the head of the church, it should have been her because after uh, Jesus' resurrection, she was the first one to know exactly who he was. And even when the guys came along, they didn't know who, they didn't have a clue. Ah, uh, yeah, we're going to the bar to drown our sorrows. Do you know, uh, which, wh wh where's the closest one? And they're talking directly to him and they don't even know who he is. 
And I found that rather interesting. And it seems as though she has gotten some bad press over the centuries. But you do set, you sh- you shed some light on her through the work that you share. Tell tell us a little bit about this work. Well, I first started in metaphysics in uh, 1979, so I've been doing it for a long time. And about 10 years after I started, I had this experience with Magdalene. I was in Washington, D.C., and it was Maundy Thursday. And from that experience, I wrote the book, I Remember Union, and I've been literally working with Magdalene because her vision is that she is an emissary of light, and she's bringing us into that fold, so to speak, so that we can also carry that same light that she talks about. And when you talked about the going into the inner space, you know, she talks about this place that we have called the soul seed, which is between the heart and the solar plexus at the very base of the sternum Mm -hmm. in the zygote process. And she talks about opening that seed of light and that in that seed of light is our blueprint and our essence. And so I do a lot of work with that through soul support systems and through the experiences that we can generate when we actually live from that place. And so the idea of Magdalene is manyfold for me because we went um, also in uh, 2019 to the south of France, which I do yearly, usually. Uh, and we got, gathered some flowers for flower essences, and she began to talk about uh, the heart of the world flower essences, which I'll, I'll talk about in a little while. But the idea of Magdalene is that she's so multifaceted and so ready to listen and to work with and to catalyze us um, to actually live the parts of ourselves that we've chosen and are destined to live. So she's very um, much a... Um, a support for many, many people now. And she comes through in many, many different voices to many people and actively has um, messages for them, which I find also very fascinating. Many, many people now. Well, I I know that uh, um, there are those who, and, and this was when I was working for the Christian station, would call in and criticize a program that I was actually producing uh, for the local a local Catholic outlet, uh, it was called the Radio Family Rosary Program, and I always found it fascinating the criticisms because they would say, "Oh, this isn't in the Bible. How can you?" And you're praying to this other person and so forth. And I'd say, "Well, you see, you're not understanding. Every word that's in the Rosary is found in the Bible. You know, the 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 prayer, the phrases, different things, uh, and uh, also they're not actually praying." to her they're asking her i mean haven't you ever asked for intercessory prayer for by by someone would you please pray for me please flow there that's all they're doing that's all they're doing and uh, so and many of them they understood they got it and with mary magdalene i think the same thing is true as well in terms of our understanding um in terms of the 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 information you have received that's come through you can you tell us who she and I'm not sure I want to say was, because we're all eternal, especially uh, on the inside. We're all eternal. Uh, but can you tell us who she is? Who she is? Uh, I think she's the heart of the world. <laughs> I think she was, was and is the, uh, the epitome of what we, what we are when we open to the divine. And she holds, she's the lineage of the divine feminine, and she is... In very many ways, when I spoke about messages to many people, she's 
exciting, I, I think, exciting meaning um, igniting uh, a movement. She's actually galvanizing us to begin to act as if the light within us is the only way, the soul is the only way for the peace that we're all searching for and the dynamics that we all know as union and oneness. And that's, that's what she's teaching all the time. And so I think she's an, she's an actual, um, maybe an archetype of the future of what we can become and, and can live as if we come together in ways that are not mentally directed or um, technologically correct mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, in the space of the essences of who we are. And that's really what she teaches and mm. stands for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I was rather intrigued and moved by the work. I, I also read another uh, a five-part five book, if you will, called The Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East. I'm sure you're familiar with that. And it was really intriguing to me, the conversations that these explorers, I'll call them, had. Uh, Spalding was his, his name who, who put these books together. Uh, the conversations that they would have with many of these uh, individuals who maybe on a mortal level have passed on, but they were having these experiences, and it, it really touched me, especially the one with uh, when they, they had this experience with Jesus, uh, who was really kind of saddened by the fact that mankind has put him up on this pedestal. Uh, he can't get down where they are to be with them uh, because uh, they look at him as something so far above human beings that he can't he can't get close you know it's it's kind of like a movie star you know you, if if you're really enamored by this person you just go gaga you know and it's like yeah, but i'm just i put my pants on just like everyone else or in his case i put my robe on just like everyone else um is that is that the sense that you get with with the conversations or the communication that you have and the awareness that you have is that these people they were just like us it just so happens that they found their way into these these positions or they, as we do, sign these contracts where we come into this world. And this is just what they did. Yeah, and I remember Union, what is one of the most amazing things for me is that Christ and Magdalene and all of the, the players that were there 2,000 years ago actually lived human lives and had questions and had fears and had these opportunities to support each other in ways that we now also have the ability to do. And through your, your, um, your work and my work, we're, we're building communities. And what I remember from that time was how important those communities were and how important the support was for each and every person that was a part of that design. And each person had a design and Magdalene was able to remember the designs and Christ was able to activate the heart, and each person had a job, if you will. And they they balanced the human and the divine, but and that seems to be all of our journeys in some ways, mm -hmm. is to balance the part of us that remembers and the part of us that's discovering. Is the reason that we are remembering in this life because when we come into this world it that connection somehow gets disconnected or cut or or cramped crimped off so to speak uh, kind of like water going through a hose and you put a kink in it and 
no longer does that information flow because of what the programming that we get, the upbringing, et cetera, et cetera. Where's where's the veil come in, if you will, between that and this life? Well, in my explorations, um, I work with um, a body of energy called the the ones with no names, and uh, they've been discussing with me recently how when we're born, there's three things that happen. The first thing is that we're moving from being, in a sense, water breathers to air breathers, and that subluxation, the movement between um, being that that mobile um, water baby into the into air, um, is quite a shock to the system and. The other thing, of course, is that we're in oneness with our mom. We're inside of this womb. And what we're experiencing is this connection in such a deep way that when that birthing happens and we're separated, there's that feeling immediately of being lost and not not knowing where we are. So there are these different energies that um, assist us when we're coming down the channel that then when we're born there's a, an openness that happens in the, um, the physical world and then we also have in the hypothalamus a place where we actually take a snapshot of the light that's around us and the people that are there with us not the incandescent light but the light inside of each person mm-hmm. and so there's that there's a difference in the way the perception of the soul in that moment of birth sees light in the world and remembers light to be. And so in a lot of ways, the 3D reality becomes so strong and the separation becomes so abrupt um, that we're, in a sense, forced to open to what is and then remembering it is clearly more available in the first two years before the fontanelle closes, but it's still in a sense, reflective of who we're with and what that consciousness is that that we're being shown. And then the design is so far inside of us, that light, that then when we're in form, it's like, well, where did the light go and how do we ascertain that? So my sense is that it's a re-navigation and that in that navigating, there are biological and, and psychological issues that occur. And then opening out to the design is something that we learn through time and we're not taught in Western society. We're not taught how to be quiet, how to sit, how to listen, how to breathe. So all of that becomes uh, part of the journey that's chosen in the swing between worlds before we actually incarnate. Mm. Well, you have a number of, a number of books along with I Remember Union and um, you've had a, a lot of help from a lot of folks uh, uh, and uh, you have the hearts of the village, how your caring and compassion change the world. That's part of what we are trying to do, and I know you are too, with this program, uh, is we're trying to change the world. Now, it's, you know, some would say, well, what's wrong with the world? Well, I, honestly, there's really nothing wrong with the world. It's just that the old saying, there's always room for improvement, kind of comes to mind, you know? Uh, not everybody is on on the same footing. Not everybody necessarily has to be, and we're all on different paths, right? So, um, how is it that how is it that you want to change the world? Or maybe a better question would be, what do you want to change the world to? If again, if that's the right phrase uh, to to use. Well. My idea has always been that if everyone lived from their soul, that we would then 
not have competition. We would then be able to acknowledge the truth of oneness. We would be able to open to the gifts of each other and celebrate, have, have more joy and connection. We'd also have this underlying awareness that there is no difference between us, no matter what we look like, no matter how much education or money we have. But there's just that one spark in each of us that we want to express. And so all of the work that I do is based on that principle. And it's all about creating a community where everyone accepts each other and where we work out those differences if they exist in some ways between people because being accepted and, and have that, having that inclusivity is something that um, is like a bottom line for me in my work and in my community. And we do our best to understand that everyone is moving toward the light, even though, of course, it doesn't always look that way. Hmm. Uh, some of the other works that you have available uh, for folks, um, uh, Heartful Living, Engaging from Our Hearts with All Life, The Light, uh, Magnificent, and the Power of Grace, The Wisdom of uh, William um, Marshall. Marshall. William Marshall. You also have the two books, self, uh, you have the, some, some combinations there, as well as, of course, what we've already mentioned is the, uh, is the I Remember Union. And folks, you can go to the uh, website, which is soulsupportsystems.org. That's soulsupportsystems.org. You can also email soulsupport at soulsupportsystems.org to find out more. As we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, I'm Richard Dugan, along with Flo Magdalena. She is, do you consider yourself the author or the, the vehicle, the channel? Mm. Both. Okay. <laughs> so there's, there's, a, a quite a, there's, there's part of you in uh, all of these. Yes, yes, part of me and all of these. Yes, yeah. It, it wasn't just channeled. You know, it was an experience with Christ um, in the church that started. He actually uh, introduced me to Mary Magdalene, I think. Um, and then we had these relationships between the three of us about how do we bring the story forward so that the consciousness will be felt when people read the book, The Consciousness of Union. And Many, many times we've tried to think about a film, and, and now we're, um, we've actually got a film in the works uh, to support this. And it's a 21st century uh, Christ, Christ time um, going back and forth. And it's uh, very well done. Um, the screenplay is beautiful, and we're now um, in the pre-production process of putting it all together. Wow. So that's extremely exciting because it's been, you know, it's just, it happened in 89. And I've often wondered if before I die, I'm going to see the movie. So it's really exciting for me. Um, and as you said, um, Mary is still alive. She is awake, aware, and um, very present everywhere. So, and that's also shown in, in the movie. I'm curious also how much of the, the universal church uh, is a part of uh, this connection that you have. What I mean by that is <clears throat> when I think of these different, now most people would say, I th when I think of these saints, well, man is the one that's created saints out of them. Uh, they, they were when they were alive in mortal body. Uh, they were just people like you and me. 
but I, I don't recall, I remember hearing and reading in some apocryphals, apocryphal writings that not only did Jesus ascend, but so did Mary and a few other folks as well. It wasn't the rapture, as most people think. I'm just curious as, as to uh, Mary Magdalene's uh, departure, if you will, or did she live an ordinary life and then the mortal body, she shed that and, and moved on? From what I, I can gather, she ascended. Okay. Uh, because the last uh, chapter, next to last chapter of the book, um, really describes that um, ascension. And in that process, she had absolute recall of lifetimes, the lifetimes that she would remember to honor the earth, the lifetimes that she would not, the lifetimes that um, she would remember her purpose and, and not. And I think all of us go through that, those different lifetimes of sorting through um, what's important and how what we offer can contribute something to the greater good. And so we have that back and forth. And um, she showed that at the end. It was, it was quite a lovely image. Mm. Uh, yeah. We're talking with uh, Flo Magdalena. She is uh, the author of many of these books. We'll go ahead and just use that term. But, uh, of course, the information that she has uh, been given, she has shared that with all of us. And we went through a list of those books as well as I Remember Union, a very profound book. Um, and uh, we also encourage you to go to soulsupportsystems.org. Soul Support Systems, Live Your Soul's Design. Uh, we also are going to talk about some other areas as well, but we encourage you to empower your life, remember your purpose, and live your dream, which is what this program is all about, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And we're talking with Flo Magdalena. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, some of the work that you do, and one of the areas we want to talk about uh, on this particular program, and again, I'm so glad that you uh, have been able to join us here today, uh, is talking about the clearing of our uh, genetics, our heredity, bloodline, and uh, lineages through the heart of the world, a Magdalena flower, uh, ma and I, maybe I'm mispronouncing, is this Magdalene or Magdalena? Ma well, it's Mary Magdalene. <laughs> okay, Mary Magdalene, flower essences, which is what you were referring to a little bit earlier. Uh, uh, talk to us about how we can do that, how we can clear this stuff out, because aren't those the things that are holding us back? Absolutely. So I'm just going to share my screen with you for a minute. Sure. And show you these. So this is the image of the Heart of the World Flower Essences brochure that we have. And we this is from... The, um, I guess it's right at the doorway of Saint Baum in France, in southern France. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the cave where Magdalene did so much of her work. And then she basically talks about this. The feeling is that these represent the heart of the world, even though they are from the country of my heart. They're not just for human beings that are alive now, they're for human beings um, everywhere. <laughs> And they're not just for ancestors, um, they're for all the human race. So this is, this is basically what Magdalene is talking about in terms of the heart of the world, flower essences. Mm. Now we had, from, the, from 2019, we had a protocol of 16 essences, and they were all gathered in southern France, and they were all gathered with Mary Magdalene's support. And it was like we were commissioned to do this. And then, literally, we stopped during COVID, the beginning of COVID, not understanding exactly how we wanted to proceed. And then in 
February, Magdalene came forth with this new protocol, which is just six essences. And specifically, the way that these work is that if someone would like to utilize them, they come for a consult. We have someone in, in England and someone in Canada and three uh, United States um, distributors. And we meet with people individually because the bloodlines and the clearing of the ancestral lineage and so forth is so individual with each person. So Magdalene's idea is that she would like us to understand that we are no longer separate from each other and the way to move toward that understanding and, and being is to actually clear not just the ancestors and the lineage and the bloodlines but all of the patterns and the innate spaces inside of us that have held us um, captive for so long. And Richard, I would like to ha have her speak to this, if that's okay with you. Uh, absolutely. Is there a specific preparation that you, you need to make? No, I'm just going to, I'll leave this up so that people can okay. see her. All <laughs> I, right. think that, I think that's a good idea. Very good. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I'm just going to take a breath and she'll be here. Um, and I, I think sh she can say it better than I always. So here we All go. All right. Okay. So from the beginning of time as we would know it, we have held patterns that indicate our capacities. And these patterns are aligned so that we can more fully express not just the divinity that we are coming from, but the divinity that we are bringing forward. And so in these essences, we have the qualities of the flowers, and the qualities of the flowers are, as you know, worldwide. Each flower is grown in many, many different places. And so my idea is that as we are unfolding this flower interconnection, interworld experience, that the flowers are gathering momentum they are reseeding their own countries in these new ways. They are reseeding us as we um, imbue these or Im imbibe these or um, live with these. And we are beginning to understand that in order for us to move forward as a species, we absolutely must, and these are words I don't normally say, but we absolutely must erase that which does not hold truth and characterize ourselves as the, the movers of light into all dimension. And so it is my idea that we can fortify the intention of the flowers to bring oneness within the kingdoms, of which humans are a part, of course, and so that in and through that oneness we can begin to establish pathways that have been innate within us and yet not expressed or uh, worked through or moved from. So I am in a very um, conscious way endeavoring to offer to each individual an understanding of what is the characterization of their own life system. Not conscious, obviously, from many, many um, legions of time and from the lineages of understanding from ancestors. So we're working in the development 
of an understanding from aspects that have not yet been understood from the cognitive, cognitive or cognition. And we are opening to understand more deeply how if we create pathways with no identity, none, no identity, then we have this opportunity to experience the light and the divinity as if they are woven within us, perhaps as the, the helixes of the DNA, that we are removing those places of bondage, uh, separation and judgment, uh, war and trauma, and violence and abuse, and all of those kinds of um, judgment-motivated uh, actions. And we are not just endeavoring, but perhaps seeding uh, a new reality that does not have condition. Um, it does not have a time um, associated with it. And therefore, we are moving back and forth between origin and actualization, between the beginning and the moment, and between the deepest intention within each person and their activities to express that in the world without limitation, unconditionally, um, from a place of what we could think of as strength. So in this process, each person comes to ascertain what is the most deliberate, from intention, clear place that can be honored and can be recorded in the records and in the actions so that the patterns of all of the parents, grandparents, the lineages are cleared simultaneously. So we are here now working to actually shift what could be thought of as the, uh, the normal way of being and to open that to the extraordinary to also recognize that the divinity has never been compromised. This is uh, like a Zogen Buddhist idea, you know. Um, it is all there. The perfection is there. And it is covered over. And as the one speaking said, you know, it is at the birth moment um, of separation that what has been covered over is revealed at the time um, when the individual makes that choice and intention. And many times the choice and intention is made without the vehicle to support it. So the flowers are the vehicles that do support that. And there is an opportunity for individuals to support for themselves this choice um, through working with the flowers. We have specific flowers that we are working with for specific um, outcomes. And at the same time, if one wants to honor the intention of the earth and be with the groundedness of being, uh, breathing, moving into the body more fully, and opening to light is one way that this could be uh, created in individual ways that people might find amenable for themselves should they choose to do that. And I am wanting to hear to say for each of you that are listening or watching that my presence right now is the completion. It is the completion of my life as Mary Magdalene. To say it differently, I am now here because my life will not be complete until there is union on this planet. And so everything that we are doing, all of us, is moving that moment forward in our awareness 
allowing us to stand more firmly in that and then providing in each moment the opportunity for that to be recognized, actualized, and of course internalized. You know that each person begins to feel the holy sacred vessel they are and bring that forward in each breath, in each moment, in each choice. And that is of course the fundamental awareness that we now bring and that we now choose. And it is with a heart of gratitude that I thank you for this opportunity to share um, that guidance that I am bringing, should you wish to avail yourself of it, or should you wish to turn to your flowers, speak to your flowers, and know that they represent kingdoms upon kingdoms, continents upon continents, many, many different life forms that each flower needs to grow into its beauty. So remember the world of nature, the order it brings you, and the promise that is in every breath that you have, every flower that you see, and everyone's heart, whether they seem to know it or not, has that promise of union within it. And it is up to us to activate that in any way that we can. Thank you. And that was Mary Magdalene through Flo Magdalena here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true here on this special edition of Tell Me Your Story as uh, we continue on. We are really in an interesting period of time, unlike any other in spite of the fact that I am a firm believer that all times are interesting times, as the Chinese proverb goes, may you live in interesting times, uh, Flo. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the messages of late that have been received. Uh, Mary said that uh, um, uh, unity, uh, you know, until unity is achieved, if you will, and one of the thoughts that's come to mind is, well, how do you balance that? What, what is meant by unity? Because a lot of people think that it means that, okay, we're all going to believe the same thing. We're all going to kind of do the same thing. We're all going to be on the same page, which right now we're close to 8 billion people. And right now there are about 8 billion pages <laughs> in this human, human book, if you will. So can you define what is meant by unity? Well, I think first I have to start with duality. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the one so, thing that I've been struggling with for the last five or seven years. <laughs> so the way I understand it is that the polarization that's occurring, that's moving us apart from each other, is like a rubber band, and it's stretching. And as it stretches and becomes more taut... Um, it gets very close to snapping, right? So it feels to me like we're really close to snapping now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course, it's felt like that for some months now. Yeah. Um, but that feeling of coming apart, when that happens, which, uh, you know, it is obviously very near to happening, um, everything falls into the center. You know, like the two sides are not able to hold their polarization anymore because there's, there's no other opposite point. So everything falls into the center, 
And my understanding is that as um, spiritual warriors, which I consider both of you and I and others um, who will be listening to be, our job is to stay neutral. Our job is to stay in the middle, to create another bridge, to create something that we can stand in and hold that has a field to it, a, a kind of a unified field to it. And that, as I said before, um, in, in a community and all these different communities where we, we do not have to think the same, we do not have to believe the same because we're moving beyond belief. We're moving beyond the ideas that we have to be a certain way to be loved or a certain way to be approved of or a certain way to get forward or to, to succeed. All of that kind of thing is duality. And when we move to that place of being that you spoke about, what, what starts to happen is we accept that being is all there really is. It's, it's the only thing that's important. So then we start to gravitate toward building foundation that has in it this extremely juicy um, aliveness, celebration, and joy. It's not because things don't have to be sorted out or because we don't understand, you know, how it's all going to be built. It's, it's more that we know it's in the moment. It's step by step. And as we go, more and more people join because it's authentic. Mm -hmm. It's real. It's not pretend. And it's not believing something and trying to convince anybody of anything. It's living in the heart and the soul. So that's why I think the soul is the place to reside if we can and when we can and for as long as we can, because that's the place where the intention for this life is backed up by the energy of our heart. Mm. And it, it all comes together. And so union to me is not everybody likes the same uh, book or the same idea or believes the same thing. It's, it's transcending those ideas, actually. Well, and that makes a lot of sense. And I, I say uh, sort of tongue in cheek, but it's a struggle when I read the ancient wisdom teachings that tell us where we come from. We come from the one. And they tell us where we're going. Well, we're going back to the one. And, I, and I, my perplexity is in, then why are we here in this dualistic world? This makes no sense. If we're coming from it and we're going to the singularity, then why is there duality? Why is there plurality and those types of things? Uh, and, and then, of course, there are others who say that, uh, you know, we are, uh, we are part of God and that, uh, you know, we came here to learn things. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, but God, the universal power, is, is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, uh, can do all kinds of things. What in the world does the universal power need with these little individual experiences of our lives? You know, uh, and again, these are sort of uh, probably more the kinds of questions one would have uh, if there was uh, a severe doubt. I have no doubt. I have no doubt at all that there is a supreme being. There is a universal power. There is a, a God. I don't I don't want to necessarily amplify anthropomorphize this this entity, if you will, as we have done. There is no guy up there with a white beard and long white long hair with a shepherd's crook and he's just kind of going okay you better behave or whatever you know I mean and then of course there's that Old Testament versus New Testament God you know um, but I guess it just is it's it's made it a little easier for us to what to to to, to palate you know it, it's better on the intellectual palate if you will but then there are people 
and this is something that came up, and this is the reason I asked you about the connection with Catholicism. I just watched, again, for the second or third time, <clears throat> the movie about uh, um, the three children uh, at Lourdes. I believe it was at Lourdes. Was it Fatima or Lourdes? I, why do I get those mixed up? Uh, but they had this experience of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the messages. And if, at first, the parents, they didn't believe. They, they, you're crazy. Go away. You know, stop this. You know, you're, and then, of course, the priest and then the bishop and the cardinal and all of this stuff. And, I mean, there was all this uproar. And the children stayed faithful. Uh, and the, all they were trying to do was stay faithful as they had been taught by their very parents. That was the sort of the irony there. But you told us that, that Mary was the mother of Jesus. She should be revered along with Jesus and all of the saints. And, and now I'm getting these messages. Now you have a problem. Um, I'm curious as to your connection with Mary Magdalene. What was it like the first time? Uh, were you were you open and accepting, or were you kind of like Edgar Casey going, "Look, I have my beliefs and my philosophies, and uh, this is totally contrary to that." But I guess I'll go ahead and have these uh, these channelings and what have you, and share this information as much as it pains me. I <laughs> had <laughs> uh, I had a, a reading with a man in 1987. Uh, Piet Vanderhorst. And at the end of the reading, he said to me, um, we were just getting ready for the harmonic convergence. He had come to my land in Connecticut. Uh. And, uh, you know, we were getting ready. And he, so we did an exchange and he did a reading for me. The last thing he said to me was, you were very close to Christ. You were probably the first woman disciple. And I had been brought up Protestant. So I said to him, I must have been the whore. I, I must have been Mary Magdalene, right? And I didn't think about it at all. The next year, um, I'm uh, taken to Washington, D.C. because um, I had a friend there and I, I began to work down there. And what started to happen was that there was this connection at Easter. Um, I cried the whole, the whole time, you know, and not, it didn't make any sense to me. But in 89, when I went and I had the experience in the church, I was basically, my guidance said, go to church. And I went, it was, happened to be Maundy Thursday. I was dressed in, you know, hot pink sweater and white leggings and sneakers, you know, <laughs> and it's like, go to church. And I had this experience with Christ. And when I left the church, Richard, it was like I was not myself anymore. I wasn't, I was not myself. And it was very um, distressing because Christ had come in front of me and spoken to me and then had come inside of it, it was like he melted into me and then I began to have these visions um, of of what I later wrote and it wasn't that I didn't want Magdalene to be there or understand that it was that I had trouble I had a challenge being who I was and and beginning to feel her as so strongly inside and it took me a long time I actually in truthfully I, I did the book it took me three years to do the book and then I had to separate from Mary Magdalene for a while because it was such a strong pull and that life was so magnificent compared to this one and one of the reasons it was so magnificent not just because Christ was there and you know we were all sharing um, I, I was not Mary Magdalene the only Mary Magdalene there were 144 of us which is a whole nother topic um, but what what was there was this union between all of the players, like all of us. There were a thousand of us, right? With 144 aspects each, that's 144,000. 
And that's why I talk about union, because I remember what it was like to have this feeling like there is no separation between us. And it, it's not sexual. It's not, you know, it's not a, anything that um, we can try to put our finger on in terms of cognition. It's, it's a deep feeling inside that you look at someone and they're part of who you are. Mm. Mm. That's very profound. It truly is. And it, it surpasses, as the phrase goes, surpasses all understanding. Um, I think that's a lyric in a song somewhere that I learned in church. But uh, I, I, I find it absolutely wonderful that you and others are making these connections with uh, uh, the, I'll call it the other realm. I often uh, speak in terms of our, our living and dying as physical beings, as mortal beings, that the, mor the body, it works for a while and then it, it dies. It stops running. It's basically it, it runs when you come into the world and then at some point it stops running and you got to get a new one. Uh, maybe, if you, I suppose, if you want. Uh, <laughs> a new model, maybe an upgrade. Uh, but um, at the same time, there's a part of us that's eternal, that's immortal. It's that essence that we can't really see unless we embody that immortality in the physical body through what you're talking about, the recognition of our connectedness, our union, our reuniting. Reuniting. Right? Right. That's really what that's you're really what... talking about in that respect. Well, I think that's what people are looking for now. I, th I really feel like part of the spiritual movement is to in a sense, return to the oneness that we have experienced. Mm -hmm. And and we know it inside. It's just very challenging in the outer world to separate from um, what is being, like what we could think of as the, um, the normal way of being and how we have to protect ourselves and guard against this and, and all those things. And that sense of, of trusting um, the moment and being present. And if we trust the moment, it always works. Yeah. It's when we try to do all kinds of other things and, and lay over everything and try to, you know, figure it out ahead of time and figure out what we're going to look like and how we're going to be. And if we just are there, it just, it, it blooms. Yeah. And, and that's really what you teach and, and what I um, endeavor to, to also embody myself is, you know, I have no idea. I just have to, to be present. One of the definitions uh, I've worked on, and in my last interview, we talked a lot about this, and that is the word perfection. Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And without going into a long story about it, I came up with the definition from the Old Testament. I am that I am. To be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect is just to be, as you just described. Uh, and so if you are lamenting your past or anticipating your future, you're not being you're not being. Uh, talk to us about techniques that you might have come up with through the work that you do that have helped you that will also help us to stay in this moment. I don't care what the technique, I don't care if it's a little rock that you rub, you know, those, those little uh, rubbing stones or if it's mnemonics or uh, whatever it is, how can we best stay in this moment. Again, nothing wrong with dreams and nothing wrong with thinking about uh, memories that we've had of family and friends, but to really 
understand our place in the universe, which as you say, and I, I would agree, a lot of us are struggling with. How do you do that? <laughs> well, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one thing first, is that when we're in our feet, we're in our body. Mm -hmm. So if we just focus on our feet, um, taking our shoes and socks off in our mind, if not really, and put our foot print on the earth so that we're actually settling into the earth the great mother of the earth she provides us with minerals all kinds of things so when we when we ground into her we can also imagine we're going all the way down to the core of the earth and there's a rock or a crystal with our name on it and our footprints and so we just settle down into those footprints and that's one way to come into the present moment another way that i must tell you about is the soul seed because that's magdalene's message mm -hmm. um, and that's at the bottom of the xiphoid process so if you have all of your ribs and you have the sternum right at the bottom there's a little point and if you look in biology that little point um, is pointing toward the soul seed now that soul seed has your destiny in it, your design, uh, the potential, the blueprint, your essence, everything. So just breathing, you can put two fingers, you know, of each hand right there, um, and then just breathe into that place. And that starts to open the container of your soul so that when you are relating to the moment, there's something there. There's a feeling of your own uh, power, essence, strength, clarity, vision, all those kinds of things are there. Mm. We're talking with, uh, I almost said, we're talking with Mary Magdalene. No, we're talking with Flo Magdalena and Mary Magdalene, if you will, uh, that she brings through. Uh, when uh, we are talking with our guests, we are doing so on this special edition of Tell Me Your Story, as well as uh, the uh, broadcasts on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at those times. We've got podcasts on SoundCloud and Spotify and iTunes and a lot of other folks are able to watch the videos on YouTube. Go to the YouTube channel, Richard Dugan, Tell Me Your Story. Just look for the guy with the hat. It's not too hard to find me. And um, we would love to, uh, love to have you join us, especially in this decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, as we move forward. Uh, and encourage you to go within to that still, quiet, small place. Listen to that still, that, that, that internal voice, your intuition, that still, small voice will guide you. One of the things I want to ask you about that in particular, and we're going to move on to some other things, is that still, small voice. I was challenged uh, uh, not long ago on this program by one guest when I talked about this. Well, yeah, you just got to be sure you're listening to the right voice or voices, you know, because there are a lot of people out there that have all these other voices that are saying all kinds of stuff. How does one know for certain that that still small voice that they are listening to and they want the guidance, they want the support, they want the encouragement, the insight, etc., as well as finding that quiet place. How can we be certain of whom we've we've connected with well that's a really interesting question um i i think that the only way that we really can determine the essence is what we're listening to speaking to and connecting with is to go inside so in other words you know drop the drop the uh the pearl in the top of the head and mm -hmm. breathe down into that soul seed and be there enough 
so that when we see something or hear something outside, we feel whether it resonates inside. Um, it's like a vibration, it's like a tuning fork. And all the voices that we have inside of us um, come from patterns. They come from heredity, lineage, upbringing, you know, that, that whole... Um, the whole bloodline thing. Well, what, yeah, and what yeah. Bruce Lipton calls that the, uh, for the first seven years, we're in this, this uh, place where anything that people say to us gets imprinted. We're yeah. actually listening. And, and so what we want to remember is what's inside and what's true and know that what's outside has, has been influenced by that lineage, that bloodline, all the kinds of patterns that have been necessary for succeeding in a dualistic world. So when we come into the place where we no longer feel that dualism and we connect with ourselves, what I suggest is that people drop the question or the, the, the sentence or whatever is coming or the, the decision that has to be made, drop it in to the center of the being and just be with it for a little while. And usually what happens is you'll have options that come. You'll have, oh, I can do this, this, or this. And if you put your vibration or your attention, your in intention or attention into each idea of, let's just say you have three voices. Let's just say, for, for example, mm -hmm. if you put your attention and intention into each voice, you can feel whether... It's coming from outside and it's it's kind of been monitored through and it's like doesn't belong to you or whether there's something you should do first or second. There's a uh, this unfolding that happens once we recognize that we can trust that inner space and it doesn't have a loud voice. It's not something that's necessarily booming and has been very loud throughout your life. It's just listening and, and waiting for that. Sometimes it's a sign. Sometimes people's voices will come in, like looking out exactly when the moon is, is coming behind the cloud or from behind the cloud, things like that. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's an, an energy that um, we become used to, and it's something that we also have to cultivate. So I'm guessing that the first time you experienced Mary Magdalene, you just knew? Or did you question it in any way, shape, or form? I didn't question it, no. Okay. Because I felt it everywhere inside me, and I think that's that's the thing. And and I do my best not to identify with her to the exclusion of other people. You know, like, I mean, I have a little piece of, of my connection with Mary Magdalene. Everyone has a connection with Magdalene. Everyone has the opportunity to develop with whatever as you call them saints <laughs> that you want because there's nobody has the corner of the market on this mm. um and whomever you're attracted to that's the other thing you know to listening to that small voice if you have a movement that you'd like to make toward there's somebody that really resonates with you know there's a connection trust that connection and develop that mm. well i'm also curious about what we talked about earlier uh, you talked we talked about unity uh, but there's another element here, and it's it's part of that rubber band you're talking about that's getting that's getting stretched further and further and further and further. And I swear, yeah, I, I do feel like it's going to snap. And it has to do with this next set of uh, concepts, if you will. Uh, one of them is finding truth, experiencing clarity, and deepening uh, our soul, our soul connection, if you will. That first one is going to be real hard for a lot of folks because their belief systems, and that's, I have to say it that way, 
because when you are talking about a philosophy, there are no hard and fast rules. There cannot be anything concrete to support it, uh, especially if it's considered a faith-based, because if it's based upon something concrete like, oh, we discovered this over here, and that supports the, the reality and the truth that our way is the only way because we found this thing over here. Well, well, now it's no longer based on faith. Now you're basing it on something material. And most philosophies are not material-based. They're internal. They're, they're metaphysical. They're spiritual. Metaphysical being beyond the physical. So how do we share with others this aspect of finding truth and sharing the truth that we have found so as, number one, to be heard, to uh, uh, express it, because a lot of people like myself, I, I just, we, ju we just do it. I mean, I, I can't help it, okay? <laughs> these, are, these are my concepts. That's all I can tell you. I can't prove any of this. I can't even prove to you that God exists. I just know in my soul and I just know inside that my life has meaning. Well, if my life has meaning, then there must be something greater than myself. And then the other part of it is, so we also don't alienate the other person. So we can draw them in, if you will, not to our truth, but to some kind of understanding that if I can find my truth, my core, so can you, and it will it will do you a world of wonder. And I'm not trying to convince you of one way or the other here or this book or that book or go to this place or that place. I'm just saying that we'd all be so much farther along if we all would just start trying to find our own truth in that respect. Can you address that? I know that's huge. <laughs> but uh, how can you, how do you, how would you address that? Well, I... I, my experience is that the, the truth that we carry is a part of the essence that we bring. It's, it's connected. So my essence is very different than your essence. And your beliefs and understandings and experiences are very different than mine. And so to come together, um, basically, what I would do is listen more than I talk. I would suggest things first energetically, like sending perhaps, um, oh, just maybe a field of acceptance, um, a field of, it's like if you're talking to um, a child or you're talking to someone that you don't have to prove anything to. Mm -hmm. um, there's no, there's nothing, there's no power struggle. That's the first thing. I think the power struggle needs to be set aside. And then I know when I speak to people, I speak to everyone differently. Every time I teach the same material, I teach it differently, depending on who's there. So it's the same way as when we talk to people, it's more about feeling into what their truth is and then working with that to create a foundation of connection that's based upon the truth of oneness versus the truth that's being espoused. Mm. So I'm not going to try to convince anybody of anything because it really isn't about that. It's about how can we connect more 
And then together we'll discover the truth, which is probably, according to what I understand, uh, a connection or a conglomeration or a collage of everybody's truth. Mm-hmm. So everybody's truth comes together and creates the one truth. And it's not until we allow that, actually, that's a permission. You know, we have to allow ourselves to set aside what we think is right, obviously, um, and to move into how do we create a different kind of consciousness together. Hmm. And that sometimes is easier said than done. But there's another aspect, I think, to this I'd like for you to address, too. And that is that I'm not going to go out on the street corner and do this. Uh, I just don't think that that's that's the most uh, productive way, the most positive way of doing that, because uh, you may end up dealing with people who aren't ready. They're just not ready to deal with these kinds of issues. Is that uh, is that right? Is that a fair assessment? I think so. I think that, yeah, many times it's it's actually um, letting people come to you to, to find you. Uh, letting people make choices around that. And if I find myself in situations with people who are very different than me and and have a different understanding of spirit, I am with them in a very normal way. I'm I'm just with them. And it's the, it's kindness, I think, Richard, more than anything, it's kindness and, and just that intention to be in relationship that then opens to a deeper capacity to share something meaningful. Well, I have to say that uh, in this program and talking with you and sharing the ideas and the concepts that we have shared on this particular edition of Tell Me Your Story, uh, I am hoping people will understand. And I know, too, that I've probably said some things here that probably haven't gone over too well with some folks. But I always try to temper it by saying, but this is where I'm coming from. I'm not saying that this is true for anybody else. I'm not saying that you have to believe anything I've said, let alone anything that Flo has said. Uh, All I ask is, I'm hoping, that you'll consider, consider the possibilities. And that's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, Because I I don't want to force any of this stuff on anybody. It's uh, because then you, you, you haven't really accomplished anything. You've actually probably, I, may buy, I don't know if I'm right about this, you may have done more harm than good. Yeah, when we espouse something, it's, it's, it's like it has a, a weight to it. And when we offer it, um, then it can be something that's accepted um, to whatever degree it is. And so it, it makes it um, a personal choice, which yeah. is always good. Absolutely. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we are coming to you uh, here on Zoom. We have podcasts and we have uh, broadcasts and a videocast on YouTube. And uh, yes, you have noticed that I have changed locations uh, because uh, I I love the country of Ireland and there's a lot of mysticism there uh, as well. I've even heard it said, Flo, that... uh, the Irish might very well be the lost 13th tribe. Hmm. I, I don't know if it's true. And again, folks, I, I read it somewhere. Somebody shared this with me and I thought, well, how interesting is that? Yeah. I mean, is it really that far from where, where, where the Jews started out in Israel? Not really. You know, 
So uh, we just don't know. And I guess it's one of those things that we all have to uh, we all have to come to grips with in terms of what we choose what we choose to believe. I, one of my guests, uh, Flo, has basically said that belief systems are nothing more than BS, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, and that uh, and Greg Braden has even said to us, you said this in, in a matter of in so many words or maybe not so many words. Uh, you said that one day we'll just know. Well, that's what Greg was saying uh, when we talked about his book, uh, The Healing Power of Belief. Yeah, right now we believe. Okay. And I shared with my sister one day that, you know, my beliefs of yesterday are not my beliefs of today are not my beliefs of tomorrow because I'm still alive. I'm still growing and I'm learning and I'm experiencing. And so those beliefs are changing over, over time, uh, you know. Uh, and I loved what someone shared with me when I kind of got too big for my britches once when I was in my early 20s. They said, you know, it's better to begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt. And, I, and I've really held on to that, you know. I do get sometimes dogmatic about some things. And I have to watch myself on that. Um, because that dogmatism is for what I believe and what I know now, here, at this time with you. Tomorrow, hey, I might pick up one of your books or somebody else's. I may listen to a different podcast. I, and suddenly something comes through. How have your, uh, shall we say, beliefs, or maybe I should go beyond that to say your knowing, how has that changed over the last 30 or 40 years since you began this work? And by the way, you began your work only two years after I did. I was 17 when I began my, what I like to call my search. Ah, uh, I'm quite a bit older than you are, I think. <laughs> no, I'm only uh. 60. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be 73. Oh, <laughs> so. well, congratulations. So what about uh, what about where you are as opposed to where you were? Well, I was a nurse and um I was in psychi psych uh, psychiatry I think at the time when I when I took the um my first metaphysical course. And I remember my neck was so tight and I had so much stress and I had just all of this really um, angst, like free floating anxiety without even knowing why I was anxious. And, um, and it, it took years for me to understand that the mind was in charge of my being and that that whole idea of cognition and of being right and wrong and knowing and not knowing. And it took a long time, I, I have to say truthfully, for, for me to replace that with the knowing that I am light, that I will always be light, that's that my you know, greatest gift, that's all of our greatest gifts. It took a while for me to understand that judgment starts with me. Um, it doesn't start with somebody else. Many, many different things I've learned. And now it's, it's almost as if uh, what I do is I... I float in in this um, field of uh, relationship with the divine uh, in as many ways as I can, um, kind of dotted with uh, concern about my grandchildren, concern about what's happening in the world, concern, sadness, grief of, of all this happening, and then coming back to that place of, of recognizing that all I can do all I can do is be in the moment with what I know and uh, to 
share that as much as I can with the world. That's mm. just about all I can do. Yeah. So uh, you are currently working on a film, uh, getting it uh, rolling forward. And obviously, uh, I would venture that, and I find it interesting when I hear this from people. And they say, well, you know, we were doing this and this and this. And then the pandemic started. And I am a person who believes in divine right order and timing. Uh, ergo, your film will be out when it's time. And that the pandemic didn't change a thing about universal timing. Uh, so I'm curious, where are you in that process and what can we expect? And this, is, this film is based upon I Remember Union. Well... What happens in the film is that um, a nun uh, finds uh, my book and uh, is in connection with Mary Magdalene and brings that uh, to the Roman Catholic Church because uh, so there's a interesting interplay there. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lo it's a lovely story. It's a I really like it though. Amazing story. Um, so. Right now, we've we've done the lookbook, you know, which is you know, you have the you have the screenplay all set, and so you do the lookbook, and now we have um, hired a line director, I think, and basically he's doing budget, um, and that's what that's where we are right now, trying to figure out the distribution of the film. Mm. Um, how is that how is that going to be impacting um, what we actually raise for funding? That's where we are right now. And I know everything is in flux, so uh, what is the current working title? Well, if, if there is one. The current, well, the current work title was Remember. And I have just heard from the gals who are putting this forward in Hollywood that um, there are too many things with Remember in the title. So we are now looking at different titles, but but I'm I'm looking at two. So the first one is... What if? I'll run that by you. You can tell me what you think. Hmm, what I like if? that. I like that. So that is basically, well, what if, and you know, if you read my book, what if Christ didn't die on the cross? Right. Uh, what if Mary Magdalene um, is still awake, alive, and working in the world? Uh, what if um, there is an opportunity for some changes in the Vatican, um, in changes in some of the... Um, Oh, environmental challenges that we're having. In other words, this this whole thing of instead of espousing this as to being true, as you were talking, what if we were to say that the um, the title is "What If"? So that's that. I haven't run that by the gals yet, actually. Um, so you're the first to hear that. I actually <laughs> like that, uh, and and in a in a comical sense, I was talking with some. Uh, I was producing another program, and then the guest. Uh, he was on uh, a program called America's Got Talent. And I was joking around in the program, and I said, yeah, I'm working on a new show. I'm really trying to get uh, a support for this program to really get it to move forward. And I'll tell you what, buddy, I will make you the executive producer if you can help me get this show off the ground. He says, well, what's it called? I says, well, you know, there's America's Ta Got Talent, and there's uh, The Voice, and there's all of these other shows. Mine basically is sort of a spinoff of America's Got Talent from some of the actors and uh, some of the, the acts that they've had on. And the title of my program is called, You Can Do What? <laughs> I mean, because I've seen people shoot themselves out of a cannon. And um, anyway, uh, so no, but uh, title, naming something is so important and it's always intrigued me whether it's like a logo 
or a title of a book or a movie or a program or wh whatever it is. I've always been curious as to who makes those decisions and how they came to the conclusion that that would work. And because I look at it, I'm going, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> it didn't click with me. Because uh, I remember that it didn't click with me, plus I don't remember what the product was about, or what the product was that you were selling. Because all I remember is, that you know. But I like what if, and again, you could put anything, you could even, even if you broke the movie down into segments like that. And quite honestly, when Kazanzaki's movie, uh, The Last Temptation of Christ came out, and I was working for that Christian station. The more that they protested against it, the more curious I got. I bought a copy of the book. I read it. And in the preface, it basically, uh, and it, it's, it's summed up in those two words, as he said in his preface, what if? I'm not saying it's true. This is fiction. I'm not trying to be blasphemous. And that was the other weird thing. No one had ever even seen the script, and yet they were saying that the dialogue was blasphemous and just a concept. Well, it wasn't a great movie, but I did watch it. I thought it was an interesting premise. And who's to say? I wasn't there. All I have is the only document that they claim is the truth. And even that was written, uh, you know, 75 to 100 years after he departed. And by the way, I seem to recall a Mary, a Mary Flo, <laughs> Mary and Joseph were headed to Bethlehem, if I'm not mistaken, for the census. I'm curious as to whether they were counted, because I did a real brief search. There is no record, at least as far as I know of, of Mary and Joseph or Jesus in the census at that time. Yeah, I thought they went to Egypt then. Was it? Yeah, and then they, well, they had to because now, was it Herod? Uh, he was going to kill all the kids under two. So they hightailed it to Egypt. So I'm yeah. guessing they weren't even, so I'm guessing they weren't even counted. I don't think they were. Ergo, there's no evidence that any of them even existed. Exactly. So now you've got all of these other conspiracy theories. Now I won't get, I won't go there, but I'm just saying that this is where you've got to go within, right? You have got to trust that inner voice. Yes. Yeah. So you have this film that's going to be coming out, and I think it would be a great title, What If? But it's not because I say so. Uh, but let's talk now about some of the ongoing classes that you have, the programs that you have available through soulsupportsystems.org. Well, every day, um, 5.30 in the morning, your time, oh. 8.30 on the East Coast, um, we have a meditation for 15 minutes that's um, actually offered by different facilitators and students um, that are part of Soul Support Systems. We have online programs, leadership trainings. Uh, we have a, something called Heart Thread, which is, you mentioned the book on the heart uh, before. Mm -hmm. um, I have this very wonderful guide named John Henry, and he has um, given us this modality called Heart Thread. And it's a way to bring the unconscious patterns that are in the body that, in a sense, are uh, keeping us constricted and Unopen un 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 and unavailable, um, and bringing the the 
unpacking what's inside uh, the patterns that we have so that our body can free up and we can open and we can actually begin to understand um, the challenges that we're living from a deeper place. Every Tuesday at 1 o'clock Eastern, uh, we have something called Witnessing Tuesdays, and that's for people who want to come. Uh, for, it's $25. You come for an hour and you have a session. Um, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, and you, be, you basically go into the heart, which makes it safe, and then we unpack whatever is there, and mm -hmm. we don't have to know anything about you, we don't have to figure anything out, but that's one of the things we offer on um, Tuesdays. We have essential life skills, which is being taught in the UK and in, um, in America, and that is literally of work with the soul seed that we talked about, with the heart and with creating a field. What is a field? How do you hold your field? What do you do with your field? I have a year-long program um, that I work with every month. And this year, uh, my friend Jane died. I don't know if, if you knew that, Richard. And so she's been, she's been communicating with me. She died. It'll be a year ago next month. And she edited all of my books, and we were really, really close. Jane Stewart. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, Jane Stewart. So she told me that she didn't really want to leave and she wanted to help. So she's with people and any of your any of your audience can ask Miss Jane, J-A-Y-N is how she spells her name, Miss Jane, um, to actually be with her, be with them, um, because she has made this dedication to helping people get through tough moments. Hmm. And so she's working with me on the curriculum for the course for this year. It's a year-long course. And it's called The Legacy of the Soul. And what we're actually doing is unpacking um, how we get born, what happens to us um, when we're born. Um, we're working with the ego. We're working with DNA, with the cells. We're giving information. Um, hopefully, most of it is new information. Um, I'm asking that it be new. Um, so that we can actually begin to understand and work towards consciously uh, being unafraid to die, working with conscious dying. Mm. And so it's like a curriculum from birth to death for this year. So that's that's mostly what we're doing. And in July, um, in Virginia, we're having what's called a soul recognition, which is the Magdalene work. And that's from the 22nd, which is her feast day, to the 26th of July. And that's going to be um, at the land celebration um, in Virginia, close to the West, uh, West Virginia border, about an hour and a half from Dulles. So we're setting that up. And that's in person. That's going to be our first in-person thing for, our, for, um, for this year. Mm. Well, it will certainly be nice to get back together in person, face-to-face, uh, -face and <clears throat> hopefully uh, physical contact in that regard, handshakes and hugs and what have you. Uh, it has been said, uh, Flo, that uh, we may be heading toward the 21st century version of the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> and that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Uh, you know, it can actually be a good thing, and we certainly hope that people will include you. And Soul Support Systems, soulsupportsystems.org is the website. We will be linked to your website as well. <clears throat> you, are there, uh, you are also available via email, soulsupport at soulsupportsystems.org. And we certainly uh, look forward to having you back on again. Uh, I wanted to uh, dive into, but I won't now, but we'll save it um, for another program to talk about that what I like to refer to as transition. To use the word death and dying, is the, the words are so negatively charged, I, I, I usually stay away from them just because a lot of people have a problem, but transitioning sounds so much easier, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, 
I went through a program called uh, LBL, Life Between Lives. I have a practitioner here in Santa Barbara. And I got to tell you, every time I think about that, I think, wow, I would love to go back to that life. I mean, yeah, there were, there were a couple of spaces there that, he, that I, I was shown or that I saw. Not the greatest of things that happened, but I survived and I moved on. And, I, and then when I sat down outside my cabin up in the woods uh, with my feet up on the rail and I, I tipped my hat back and I just leaned back and I said, it's been a good life. And I just left. And I feel as though we, you know, there are a lot of things that we get training for. All right. Uh, ha giving birth isn't one of them. Uh, marriage isn't another, having a relationship, we don't get training for that. We do for driving a car, you know, for maybe a job that you're doing, you got to learn how to do it, so they train you. It would be nice to have some kind of training in some fashion that would help us to make the transition so much easier. And that's not to say that we're all going to leave this world quietly. Some of us, unfortunately, we go out pretty dramatically. But if we could go and we could choose to leave this world just leaning back, tipping a hat back and saying, ah, it's been a good life and just leave the body, yeah. you know, and get rid of the fear and the angst and all of the stressors. I mean, there are people who they don't believe there's anything else after this life. And I say, well, OK, if we believe what you are saying, if, if that might if that were to be true, then we're not going to know. So what difference does it make? If there's nothing after this, what difference does it make? You're not going to know. But my inner knowing says there is something after this. Because this, this world doesn't make any sense to even exist if this is all there is. It's just, I, my brain and my heart just, they can't reconcile that concept. Uh, and so my logic and my heart say, no, nope, there's, there's something more. And even if I'm wrong and there's nothing else, I'm not going to know. <laughs> right? So maybe we could talk a little bit about that on another program. Yeah, I, I love the way you continue to ask the questions, Richard, because that's really, that, that's the only way to understand it, is, is just to take it apart and keep taking it apart. Yeah. It's great. Flo Magdalene has been my guest here on Tell Me Your Story, this special edition of Tell Me Your Story. As we uh, bring you uh, new paradigms for a new world and those choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I do have three more questions for you that I'd like to ask all of my guests. You may have addressed them uh, sometime during the program, uh, but I'd like to ask them directly. But before I do, I let our listeners know that we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Of course, as I've said before, <clears throat> podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, other locations you folks are reposting to. And if this uh, resonates with you and you'd like to support it financially, you know, we'd be eternally grateful uh, because I'm immortal and so are you. Eternally grateful for the support that you have given us and that you will give us. Uh, we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. And please participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. Go within, listen to that still small voice and find that place to quietly go, relax, rejuvenate, re-energize, and then get that guidance to step out into the world and move forward and uh, fulfill your life's purpose and your life's dreams. And uh, with that, we begin the process of asking the first of three, and that is, number one, who is Flo Magdalene? 
Um, I am a um, I am a light bearer, and I am a an author. And my intention in this lifetime is to touch as many people as I can, so that they remember their divinity. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? So people remember that that essence of oneness and live it. And then there'll be peace because when we're in that place, um, there is no other. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to love. And with that, we thank you again for joining us here on the program. And we thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to law.